Section thirty eight, volume three, chapter three of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter three. She dressed herself in silk attire, her merry men all in green, and in every borough that she rode through, they took her to be some queen. Old Ballad arthur returned in the highest spirits that day from shooting he had been lucky in his sport had seen wemmersley at a distance and rejoiced in having escaped his visit and experienced all the elation natural at his age in the prospect of a pleasant party to join the brilliant county meeting of the morrow for yorkshire is an especially patriotic shire steeped to saturation as lord wyndham spalding was apt to observe in that most narrow-spirited of all spirits l'esprit de province but when marian rushed into his dressing-room to meet him radiant with smiles smiles not unmoistened by tears of joy to say that they were all coming certainly coming her uncle and aunt her dear papa and perhaps all the rest of the family the mercury ebbed in the tube and arthur's spirit became depressed to zero to do him justice it was not now of his mother he was afraid but of them offended as they doubtless were by the gracelessness so little originating with himself how should he avoid the explosion of family wrath which could not occur more inopportunely than in a race-stand or county ballroom he knew both jack baltimore and his sister-in-law to be wholly unsubmitted to the conventionalisms of society the one from despising the other from misapprehending them he was satisfied that they would enlarge long and loudly on their chapter of grievances at some uncomfortable moment to gall the tender pride of his mother excite the lofty sneers of the maudsleys or still worse provoke against himself the ill opinion of his more rational relative lord armytage a man with whom he was proud to keep up that goodwill of distant kinsmanship which exists between the wealthy squire ambitious to be no more than esquire and the noble lord who would be sorry to exchange his coronet for the finest of estates lord armytage had been long in office and arthur the son of his cousin arthur had asked no favour of him the holywell interest returned a member to parliament and the minister had never sought to gain his vote there was self-respect and consequently mutual respect between the families and now there was every probability that his right honourable cousin would hear him upbraided by a jockey-looking man of port and porter complexion with the mean insolence of pride or his pretty little wife reproached by a gorgeous virago with benefits received and benefits forgot how disparagingly would lord and lady armytage thenceforward think of them for having proved ungrateful to obscure relations too undistinguished to become invited guests at holywell my dear marian cried arthur in despair have you set your heart on going to-morrow to the races they are never more than moderately good the first day my mother seldom goes the first day 
only this year the maudsleys and the devereaux seem inclined to make the utmost of an opportunity of amusing themselves and she is under the necessity of obliging them indeed i have replied marian somewhat startled you know i am quite indifferent to the goodness of the races i should not know eclipse from plenipo and as to the company whether there are three dukes and six i mean ducal carriages or only one or even none what difference can it make to me but remember dearest i have not seen papa these sixteen months no not since our wedding day and now i am certain of aunt and uncle robsey's coming i arthur groaned but surely one day makes no great difference after the sixteen months absence said he and if you could persuade yourself to remain at home to-morrow with poor sophie who i fear would find her three following days of perfect solitude more oppressive than she anticipates you would enjoy yourself doubly on the following day from the thought of having done a kind action by my sister indeed i should cried marian with unsuspecting frankness little dreaming that her husband conscious of her guilelessness her total want of tact was intent only on assuming to himself exclusively the management of the first interview with her family and if sophia will accept my company which i almost doubt for she is now so fond of being alone i will most willingly stay with her i am ashamed to say i never thought of it but as dear sophie makes so little of her own indisposition and seems so unwilling to have it noticed before mrs armytage i shall mention nothing about my intentions till to-morrow as they are all setting off it is settled i believe that your mother takes in her carriage lady armytage lady maudsley and mrs devereux lady chartley and two of the maudsley girls were to go with me in the barouche you can supply my place for form's sake there must be some member of the family with them arthur who was to have accompanied lord armytage and sir charles chartley in the britschka of the former at an earlier hour scarcely relished the idea of relinquishing a pleasant party for a place in the grand family procession but after marian's generous self-abnegation how to raise objections he could only accede thank her cordially for her compliance and tell her and honestly and sincerely that never had he seen her look so pretty flattery or it might be approbation from arthur naturally increased her bloom and brilliancy so that when she entered the room before dinner where the large holywell party was assembled mrs armytage's guests were unanimously of opinion that if her son had not done justice to his pedigree in his choice of a wife he had ample excuse in the personal charms and gentle modest demeanour of mrs arthur armytage and thus reassured in his apprehensions for the following day the dinner went off pleasantly enough to arthur on state occasions like the present he made it a point to cede his usual post at table to dr grant who occupied a sort of chaplain's post in the family and never did his mother appear to such advantage as when presiding over the pomp of such an entertainment proud of her well-ordered hospitality her well-selected society yet never suffering the magnificence of her gilt plate or the cares of the buffet to interfere with her share in conversation 
eminently well informed on all topics which interest the abler class of country gentlemen mrs armytage could argue with lord armytage with chartley devereux or maudsley on points which their own wives seldom heard mentioned without a yawn and was familiar with the leading political periodicals and pamphlets of the day and indebted to dr grant for a clearer insight into the views of each she knew all in short which an extensive landed proprietor ought to know and displayed her knowledge not for the sake of display but for the promotion of conversation arthur who had only recently devoted his attention to such studies felt that her views were clearer her judgment more accurately based than his own and was naturally proud of the respect paid to her opinion by every man present three of whom were senators and one more than a senator an enlightened and upright divine the following day in spite of the predictions of wemmersley whose predictions had been mere spite glowed with a fine autumnal sunshine and the substantially furnished breakfast-table was surrounded by cheerful faces and contented guests race-cards were handed from one to another the odds discussed the names of marcelina and tomboy had honourable mention a guinea raffle was made up for the ladies and the youngest miss maudsley declared herself enchanted to have drawn rhodacantha because it was such a very pretty name even the prospect of the sixteen miles before them alarmed no one the road was a noble one the post-horses excellent those of mrs armytage were in waiting some four miles from doncaster and the worthy family whose house in the town was annually placed at her disposal not only entertained them all at dinner but provided beds for such of the party as were unable or unwilling to return to holywell at night nothing could be better arranged yet marian listened to their mutual gratulations with a cheerful countenance she was above all things anxious that arthur should entertain no suspicion of her feelings of disappointment to embitter his pleasures of the day sophia unable now to quit her room for breakfast knew nothing of plans with which she would certainly have interfered and when mrs armytage and her detachment had driven from the door her daughter-in-law pleaded a graceful apology to lady chartley and the miss maudsleys her sisters arthur took her place in the barouche and with a smiling lip but tearful eyes marian stood watching from the breakfast-room window the gradual dispersion of the dust raised by the progress of the cavalcade through the park scarcely however had the last brown shade vanished among the intermingling verdure of elms and oaks when she was singing in her nursery and giving orders for the preparations she was now sure would be necessary for her trip to scarborough promising her little unconscious round-eyed baby how loved and how caressed it should be and content to think that arthur had her notes to papa and aunt robsey safe in his pocket that he would soon be shaking hands with one and shaken hands with by the other by noon too she had established herself in sophia's dressing-room with her work-box and her book prepared to talk or be silent as the invalid might require but there was only one point on which miss armytage felt just then desirous of conversation 
to know who had practised on the easy nature of marian so far as to dissuade her from going to the races concerning which the preceding day she had indulged in such rapturous anticipations and this sophia had not courage to ask sophia strongly suspected that her sister-in-law had been unfairly dealt with for her own part she would have willingly dispensed with marian's company amply as sophia rendered justice to her merits and dearly in fact as she loved her marian was not in her confidence miss armytage was aware that to confide with her was to confide to arthur the last person she desired to acquaint with the real origin of her illness dr grant was her only friend and comforter for although from the day on which he had tenderly and cautiously showed her an announcement in the newspapers of mr and mrs edgar rainsford's departure from london on a bridal tour to italy the name had never been mentioned between them he knew all that was passing in her mind and thus informed avoided all inquiries and all subjects capable of giving her pain he believed her and with justice to be too good too delicate to dwell upon reminiscences of the attachment of a man by whom she had been forsaken for another but he also feared that the shaft thus resolutely drawn forth from her bosom had left an agonising if not a fatal wound behind to assuage these sufferings by the soothing power of religion the strengthening power of reason was his earnest care so often as he could seek her society without attracting the notice of mrs armytage the good pastor was by her side reminding her of her responsibility for the many good and glorious gifts bestowed upon her exhorting her to be well to be cheerful to be happy and sophia to her utmost obeyed his injunctions she was often cheerful never well my dear doctor she would say in answer to his reprehensions i am doing my best believe me i am doing my best but we hear of the difficulty which people who ascend mountains are said to experience in breathing just so i find it difficult to live the moral air i breathe is too cold and insufficient for my existence assured that her venerable friend would devote part of every race-day to her society miss armytage had hoped to be alone with him she had so many doubts to solve so many apprehensions to relieve so many spots of darkness to remove such as suddenly appear among the shadows of a closing day or closing existence to the children of this world she felt it irrelevant to talk of such things to the father of a flock she might unburthen all her misgivings but between two perfectly ingenuous persons explanations are not difficult and when the good pastor of holywell made his appearance she had only to say dear marian i wish to have some conversation with dr grant to be left to the discussions she desired meanwhile thoughtless of the sick and careless of the sorry the gay cavalcade made its way through a succession of cheerful villages at the wicket gates of whose white cottages many an humble curtsey was dropped to the grand coaches of madame armytage 
while the labourer uncovered his head as he recognised the holywell liveries and the urchins dabbling in the pool sent up a shout in her honour at length they reached the spot where two fine sets of horses held by the holywell outriders awaited the two first carriages and fresh posters the remainder and proud of her well-appointed equipage and well-selected party mrs armytage prepared to make her triumphal entry upon the race-course conscious that she exhibited neither horse nor menial more or less than her father the squire had done before her that there was no vulgar competition with the duke of this or earl of that that she was only doing becoming honour to yorkshire to doncaster and to holywell but if mr wemmersley awaited in his new barouche with hatred and malevolence the coming of the party there was one person on the course watching with eager and affectionate anxiety for a glimpse of the well-known liveries of green and gold a man with a heavy book the responsibilities of which on settling day would probably leave him in difficulties for the remainder of the year a man whose sleeve was plucked for counsel by many a turf-bitten lord whose bets were noted and backed by many a worthy in rusty buckskins mahogany-topped boots and a frock of well-worn camlet and who amid all his temporary importance all his permanent distresses felt himself sufficiently compensated for a twelve-months estrangement from his child by the happy prospects of the moment the expectation of seeing his pretty marian take her place among the yorkshire high flyers with such appurtenances and means to boot such cattle such a coachman in such a wig none of the london chaps know how to wear a wig and of finding her joyous and affectionate as ever was almost too much of happiness for jack baltimore the moment he descried the party jack touched the sides of the incomparable pony he bestrode a pony which landseer might have delighted to paint or lady dacre to model and trotted off to the first carriage where waved the feathers of the ladies armytage and maudsley and gleamed the sober white satin bonnet of mrs armytage but no marian the fourth lady was a very pretty mrs devereux but not the pretty one he wanted he passed on to the second carriage where lady chartley and her sisters cast admiring glances on his knowing pony although he had no admiring glances to bestow in return for marian was not there the other carriages of the suite were empty the gentlemen of the party having already mounted their horses to ride to the stand pray can you inform me my hearty where i am likely to find mrs arthur armytage cried jack to a servant who was lounging behind the brishka of lord armytage but his hearty who was booking a bet he had just made with sir charles chartley's valet turned a deaf ear to the inquiry i say where the devil is mrs arthur armytage cried jack in a louder key roughly detaining a man in the holywell livery who was climbing to the box of the barouche in one or t'other o them carriages as not sure exclaimed canny yorkshire certain that he had assisted in the embarkation of eight female passengers in the two but conceiving little difference between a lady in a blue gown and a lady in a lilac pelisse jack looked again and began to swear believing that the man was trying to sell him a bargain and where the devil then is your master persisted he 
but yorkshire was sulky and would not answer and it was the postboy who in deference to the clever bit of a thing on which the obstropolous gentleman was mounted condescended to reply that mr harmytage was off to the stond with my lord and t'other gentleman my lord and t'other gentleman retorted jack with bitterness as he trotted off at a speed lords enough no doubt let alone the gentleman but where's his wife where's my girl intimately versed in the localities of that field of forty thousand footsteps jack soon reached the spot where arthur and his friends stood awaiting the slow arrival of the holywell carriages a group such as may be seen on all race-courses looking with eager eyes speaking with eager voices listening with eager ears all talking at once all half angry and whole disputatious affording proof in point that scarcely a modern englishman but is born with the instincts of a horse-jockey armitage arthur armitage hallooed the uncompromising voice of jack and ha baltimore how are you brought the father and son-in-law quickly together for the iteration of jack's often repeated inquiry where the devil is marian she sends you a thousand kind remembrances and this note said arthur feeling in his pocket for the letter which he had of course treated with the respect paid by all husbands to all notes consigned to them by their wives by leaving it at home on his dressing-table god bless my soul i must have lost the letter on the road cried he groping again and again groping in vain all my pocket has been picked on the course is my daughter ill that she is not with your party faltered jack she promised to meet me here quite well perfectly well and longing to see you answered arthur growing embarrassed but my sister is in a very delicate state of health and marian with her usual good nature offered to stay at home with her this morning her usual good nature when her own father whom she has not seen these sixteen months was waiting to give her the meeting cried jack with a heightened complexion this is not like marian this is none of marian's doing and by god i'll learn the rights of it my dear baltimore pray moderate your feelings cried arthur dismounting and trying to lead aside the spirited pony and no less spirited rider you will have an opportunity of learning all you wish to know of marian herself to-morrow i tell you what arthur armytage cried jack still in a tremulously audible voice tis now on a year and a half since we gave you our girl and not one of her family have set eyes on her since you for your own part have treated us coolly enough and as to your jezebel of a mother if it had not been for the protecting petticoats which belied her sex when she insulted me over yonder at holywell by jove i while you speak in such terms of my mother you must excuse my continuing the conversation said arthur with firmness nay you know well enough tis i who am the injured party cried jack and by george now you are here you shall hear me out baltimore jack jack baltimore shouted a voice from the crowd lord sweepstakes wants to know if you take six to four on touchstone damn touchstone cried the angry father and one or two knowing-looking fellows well knowing the knowing jack baltimore and surmising that nothing could have so fired his blood but a disputed bet 
drew near to listen in hopes of a quarrel and i tell you once for all resumed jack to whose sympathies at that moment all tattersall's might have appealed in vain that sooner than see my child browbeat or ill-used among you i will claim her for my own and carry her home again if there be law in the land to see her righted arthur greatly incensed by these harsh inferences was about to make an angry answer but lord armytage who had overheard enough to understand exactly what was going on advanced touched his hat politely to jack and slightly introduced himself i fear you have forgotten me mr baltimore lord armytage i have had the pleasure of meeting you at our friend the duke of c's allow me to assure you that i left my young relative your daughter at the breakfast-table this morning in perfect health and spirits anxious only that mrs armytage should not discover her intention of absenting herself from the races and require her to give up her amiable intention of bearing poor miss armytage company through the day and pray my lord what is mrs armytage doing here herself if her daughter is so ill inquired jack somewhat pacified by the mild demeanour of lord armytage and why could nobody but marian stay at home with miss sophia you must ask miss sophia why she prefers the society of her sister-in-law to that of any other person rejoined his companion giving the most gallant turn to the matter mrs armytage is here in order not to disappoint a very large party collected by a long-standing engagement but to-morrow no doubt your daughter will explain these things better than i can presume to do i must refer you to your daughter to-morrow you are quite sure then she is coming to-morrow resumed jack more mildly addressing arthur armytage i see no reason sir that you should doubt my word replied the young man growing angry as the other became tranquillized marian's note would have explained all but as i told you at first i have unluckily lost it by george i've half a mind to push over to holywell this very morning cried jack musing over the opportunity afforded by the absence of mrs armytage and the vast capabilities of his pony better not do that my dear sir said lord armytage good-naturedly you will lose the races gain only twenty-four hours in seeing your daughter and deprive miss armytage of the promised comfort of her society better not do that besides as my friend arthur has shown himself so careless a note-bearer i offer myself as your messenger to convey anything you may wish to say to his wife tell her then from me that i will never forgive her if on any pretence she disappoints me again to-morrow said jack and many thanks my lord for the trouble and though still bewildered in his operations by vexation at marian's absence and his ire against mrs armytage and all her tribe jack now became gradually sensible to the excitement of such queries as who rides general chasse to-morrow has any one seen shifney this morning is ridsdale come two to four on goldbeater marcelina against the field and rode off on catching a distant glimpse of tom warley and lightweight the former wiping his forehead with a belcher handkerchief the latter with his mouth full of ham sandwiches both talking all the time familiarly of grafton's cleveland's fitzwilliams foley's and exeter's as maids of thirteen do of puppy-dogs meanwhile all yorkshire had assembled 
and wentworths and howards dunegulbs and lascelles vernons and dundases ramsdens forkses and sykeses are beginning to grace the benches grove nods at grove each castle has its brother park curtsied majestically to lodge lodge to deanery deanery to rectory while east riding offers its civilities to west and west acknowledges the greeting of north the busy murmurs of a thousand voices rise the gay dyes of a thousand brilliant colours expand everybody is glad everybody is gay and excepting one pale young lady whose new dress from town has been sent down too tight in the waist and in whose behalf salts and aromatic vinegar are called for all goes well the horses are said to be saddling the jockeys weighing and the course is heard to be cleared they're off they've reached the red house here they come there they go the blue the orange the pink the pink the orange the orange the orange tomboy has won by a length and a half lord a loses four thousand poor lady a lord b wins five my dear lady b i wish you joy and in the course of a few short minutes hundreds of thousands have changed masters but what is the matter with mrs armytage end of volume two chapter three